0: can do that today we start a new series that we've titled let god and and you can bring your notes out now today is a little bit different than than in past sabbaths you notice that the notes are not printed on the bulletin they are an especially designed insert because we want those notes to be part of your hand uh uh Portable notes so you can take to your life group and wind out. But, by the way, where the notes used to be is the section where all the live groups are meeting through the week are there, uh, uh, involved in this series. So make sure that you become part of one. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. Uh, they start this week. I know some of the groups are already uh, started, and uh, some are so big that they can't fit anybody else. So That's a great thing. But some of those groups over there on the the bulletin, they're still open for you to come. So join one. Don't miss that opportunity. A while ago, a man was concerned because he felt that every time he touched a part of his body, he was in pain. So he went to the doctor. And as he went to the doctor, concerned, he told the doctor, Doctor, I'm really worried. Everything I touch on my body hurts. So the doctor listened to the man and uh, took him through a battery of tests. When the tests were completed, the doctor said to the man, You know, I have good news and bad news. The good news is that you are not dying. The bad news is that you have a broken finger. See, oftentimes, we go through life concerned about a reality that we painted of ourselves, but the truth is that that is not the problem. There is something lying deeper underneath that is preventing us from being happy. In fact, when we looked around and we looked at our, our, our life, our marriage, our, our family dynamics, when we look at our job, when we look at everything that compose, composes our lives, we, we, we see that perhaps this is it. And that frightened us to death. And we ask the question, is this going to get better or this is it? But see, the reality is that when we begin to lose our passion, life begins to lose its flavor. It is passion what drives everything in this world. If you've ever seen paintings of the great artists like Michelangelo, you know that it was passion who that drove him to paint those paintings. When you hear beautiful music being played and, or, or, or songs being sang, you know that it was passion that drove an artist, a composer, a musician, to, to play and to sing and to, and to make that music a beautiful thing. You know that it's passion when, 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 when a player uh, creates, a, in any sport, a, a beautiful play and scores and, and people applaud because you know that that man, that individual has passion for what he does. But see, when we start losing our passion, life start lo- starts losing its flavor. And we start dying little by little. Because it is passion what drives everything that we do in life. Unfortunately, family, there are some passion thieves attacking us constantly. Circumstances, things, habits that that take away our passion. And and today, we we are going to visit the advice that the Apostle Paul tells us regarding our passion. Colossians 3.23 is right there in your notes. He says, and whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, not to man. Other version says, do it with all your heart. Other version says, do it with all your strength. What's interesting here is that the original word in the, in the Greek is the word psyche. Can you say psyche? That's what, from where, the word from where we get the word psychology, what he's saying is that whatever you do for God, you have to do it with intelligence. You have to do it keeping whatever you do in mind, the purpose, the reason why you are doing it. Not just do it because. Not just do it because it has to be done or because it's a custom, it's a tradition. Do it thinking, keeping in mind the reason, the purpose. Now to understand this better, Romans 12, 11, Paul expands a little bit more. In fact, this was part of a Bible reading this morning. It says, uh, talking about the Christian's behavior. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. This word fervent, fervent, what does that sound like? I don't know. Every time I hear this word, I think of like a seltzer for some reason, fervent. You Remember? When you, back in the day, I remember my mom or my grandmother had a headache, and they would send me to the store to get an Alka-Seltzer. And, and, and you know, when you place those pills in water, what happens? First is it bubbles, and it, it begins to create some energy in that water, and, and it changes completely the atmosphere of that water, because now it has gas and bubbles, and, and when you take that water there's supposed to be some benefit. Crazy thing is that another word for fervent is enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is a compound word. A compound word it, it's a word that is formed by two other words or, or more. And the crazy thing about enthusiasm is that it's composed by two words. The first word is N. Can you say N? N means just in and the second word is theos you know what that means god so what he's saying what paul is saying is that when you do something when you do it in god your life is not going to be the same things are going to change you're going to be full of passion you're going to be like a napkin or pill And whatever you touch will not be the same anymore. So, according to Hiram W. Smith, he says that your behavior is a reflection of what you truly believe. Your behavior is a reflection of what you truly believe. Now, you can look around. You can look back at your life. And see how I behave, how you behave, how we behave. Is our behavior enthusiastic? Now, you don't have to look at anybody else, but if you think that it's lacking a little bit of fervor, perhaps you have been a victim Of a passion thief. Now I heard somebody say that the eye does not see what the brain does not know. And oftentimes we don't know what is happening in us like this man with a broken finger because our brain does not know what we should be looking for. So if we don't know what these passion thieves are, We perhaps have missed them, and they've always been with us. So today, we're going to use our Psihe to discover these Passion Thieves. The first one, the first of these Passion Thieves family, is an an unbalanced schedule. An unbalanced schedule. This is quite interesting because we live in a time we have planners of all kinds. I remember when I began to, to be a pastor about 20 years ago, I, I carried a, a Franklin planner. You remember those? Some of you still use them. I know that Staples sells them still, so I know that some of you still use them. And you could replace them and add new things and tabs and why not. And, and, and then after a couple of years, the pump pilot came out. Remember that thing? That was so hard to ride on. I, I hated it. But then they fixed it a little bit. The software got better and then it had color and why not? But life changed when the smartphones came out. Oh, yeah. You have everything in there. You have your calendar, your email. You you can text. You can call. You can share all kinds of information. There's apps for everything. Apps for everything. But guess what? They were designed to make our life Easier. Simpler. But they had just make it more complicated. So today, family, this unbalanced schedule, this thief of our passion comes in two forms. Either you do way too much, and that is an unbalanced schedule, or you do way too little. That's also an unbalanced schedule. Now the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that for everything, there is a what? Are you breathing this morning? For everything, there is a season. There is a time for everything. That is a biblical principle. However, we forget that that time is not always my time. What this Bible takes refer to is to God's timing. However, we attend to be in control of our time. That's why we plan it. That's why we have schedules. That's why we have planners. That's why we, hold on, let me check. Oh, yeah, I'm free that day. Because we want to be in control of our time. But family, too much of anything, it's a bad thing. Either if you have too many things going on, and, and it's easy. It's easy. In the morning when you wake up, when you're supposed to be rejuvenated and refreshed, are you tired still? Okay, you don't have to tell me. I already, I can see that. I can see that. See, that means that even though you go to bed, you're in reality not resting because you are way too busy. Way too busy. The Bible tells us that because there's time for everything, there should be priority on your life to have rest. Thank God for the Sabbath because at least you're here today. Psalms 127 2 the psalmist says, it is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows for so he gives his beloved sleep. This is a poetic way to say you work so hard that you sacrifice your sleep to achieve nothing. And we could resonate with that. But some of us, some of us uh, are the kind of people that is always going, always doing, always giving, always serving, always providing. And you know, all those things are great. But let me tell you, let me tell you, even though those activities are positive and great, you need time to rest. Because when we don't rest, when we don't replenish our energy and emotional energy, there is a time where all that serving, all that giving, all that providing loses the passion and becomes a burden. And we stop caring. First Timothy 4 7, Paul says, But reject profane and all wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. Let's read the last sentence there. Because you know what all wives' fables are myths. But the last one says, Exercise yourself towards godliness. Now, some of us, I know, we don't like the word exercise, period. I know that. But exercise here does not mean going to the gym. Does not mean having a a physical routine. It means to, whatever you do is targeted. It's in a direction. It's a building block. Now, when we talk about an unbalanced schedule, how can we balance it? How can we fix that? Because, see, that also happens in our spiritual life. We do so so many things for church, but we're really not growing spiritually. We get so busy with God's things, but we're really not having a personal relationship with Jesus. And usually that happens because there is an imbalance. The imbalance between Bible study and fellowship. Some of us have way too much Bible study. We want everything to be Bible study. And some of us want everything to be fellowship. There is a balance that needs to be taken place in our lives between Bible study and fellowship. Because at the end of it all, our experience with God, our personal experience with God, is manifested in relationships. See, our vertical connection... It's translated into a horizontal connection. You remember when when this man came to Jesus and asked what was the most important commandment? And what did Jesus say? Love God above all your things. And without this man asking for what was the second, Jesus said, and the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. Bible study and fellowship. So the first passion thief is what? Okay, four hour wake is what? A balanced schedule. A balanced schedule. The, the second passion thief is unused talent, unused talent. When I have a talent that is not used, slowly my passion for life decays. But not just for life, my passion for God First Peter 4.10 says, as each one has received a gift. You notice what it says here? As each one. That means everyone has at least received one gift. Somebody once told me, Pastor, I don't have any gifts. No, no, no. No, no, no. If it's in the Bible, it's true. Every single one of us has received at least one gift. Unfortunately, unfortunately, in the church, oftentimes we believe that the true gifts that God uses in the church is maybe preaching and singing and, and, and teaching Bible studies. And, but but wait, there's way more than that. Way more than that. See, everybody's equipped with, with a shape. And no, 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 this is not your appearance. No, no, no. Shape, it's an acronym. First, it's a spiritual gift. The H is for habits. The A is for abilities. The P is personality. And E is your experience, your life experience. And you see, all those five things make you unique. God made you that way. That's why we call it the shape. God made you that way. And see, there are things that you can do that nobody else can. And God has brought you to this place, has made you part of this church, so that you can use your shape. What happens is that we think that our talents, oftentimes because they can't be used at church, they they should be used at work. But the truth is that statistics demonstrate that seventy-five percent of Americans do not work at a place where they can use their talents. Now how do you know if you're one of them? Monday morning when you wake up ready to go to work, are you dying to get to work? Okay. How about Friday? How about Friday? Are you looking at the clock after lunch to see how fast it goes so you can go home? Maybe you're part of that 70%. But see, when, because we can't have a job that pays the bills and fulfills our shape, we are not happy. We are not happy. Especially when you have to take the, the 605 or, or the 405. Or or, you know why they call it the 405, right? It takes four or five hours to get whatever you need to go, you know. But see, because our jobs are not the place, do not offer the circumstances for me to use my shape, I'm not happy. I'm angry. Somebody cuts cuts me off in the freeway, I, I yell things. And hardly ever, praise the Lord. So see, because we have that attitude, when we get home, guess how we come home? Angry. Why are you doing that? Do your homework. Don't bother me. But let me tell you what the solution is. The other place where your talents can be used, at the church. But if you are not using your talents at church... It's not because the church doesn't want you to use your talents. It's because you haven't made the decision. See, when we started the small groups, the conversation, I, I, I told them, I hope that in a couple of years, we have enough groups that we can offer groups for, a, a group for one-eyed mechanics and mothers who cook with the left hand. Because, see, we're all different. We have a different shape. But I bet you that if you're here and and you're shaped that way, there's somebody else who is just the same. If you see that there is a need, if if you see that there's something that should be done at church, you know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit telling you, you are brought here to see that need and you have been formed in that shape to fulfill it. Now you're going to be so afraid to come to me, Pastor, we should do this. Because you know what I'm going to say. When do you start? But that is the truth. For you to experience the fullness that life wa- offers you, that God is prepared for you, and, and for your passion to be completely utilized and be a blessing to someone else, that is the only way, because work is not enough. First Corinthians 7:20 says, "Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called, and you can replace she, I mean, he by she." In the same calling, what does that mean? God is saying you have a shape. God made you that way so that you can be a blessing to someone else. So that means that the only safe place for you to develop your passion by using your gifts, well, it's here. So what's the second passion, thief? A, a new talent, yeah. The third one, family, is an unconfessed sin. Now we're going deeper. Nothing, nothing robs your passion faster than guilt. Nothing. Believe me. There are two reactions when we sin. The first one is we rationalize it. Well, everybody else is doing it. I guess it's okay. And even though you might think that way at first, a few days later, a few hours later, you feel uneasy. You know that there's something inside that is going on that is not letting you sleep. You know that something is wrong. The second reaction is guilt. I did it. Oh, my mom told me not to do that. I know that's wrong. But either one of those two, if you leave them there, nothing gets solved and guilt just grows and your passion disappears. We can't be enthusiastic about life and have guilt at the same time. Psalm 38, verse 4 says, For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Have you ever felt like that? Verse 6, I am troubled. I am bowed down uh, greatly. I go mourning all day long. I like to think that a confessed sin is like a computer virus. Have you ever had a, vi- a virus in your computer? I have a Mac, so I don't. But, but let me explain for you how viruses work. Viruses work in interesting ways because there's all kinds of them. In fact, we have new names for them Trojan horses, worms. They, they're all the same, they're viruses. They're programs designed to, to damage your computer and obtain information from your computer. We have a bigger term now, we call it malware malicious software. Malware. And this is what happens with this kind of software. You don't know when you get it. Well, actually, sometimes you do. Because you might be at a website that you shouldn't be in for the first, on the first place. Or you might be playing a game. Or you might be downloading a program that it was not legal. Are you with me? So you go click, download, and, and a bunch of little things appear, and you don't know now what to do. You just keep clicking because you want to get rid of it. But the more you click, the more junk that keeps downloading. And, and you say, okay, okay, you turn it off. You unplug it. You pull the cable. You don't know what to do. And then you say, okay, I plugged it quick, I think. So then you reboot your computer. You start again. But then you see that... that Your web browser is acting weird because now things are happening that before they weren't. Or your computer is acting a little bit slower than before. You don't know why. You look, the registers, all those little folders that you don't know what they have inside. And you can't find anything that says virus. And then you figure out, well, what I need is an antivirus. But this is the truth. Antivirus works before you get infected, not after. But I installed it and it cleaned my computer. But you still get the pop-ups and the computer gets slow because you have been already affected. There is only one thing left to do. Clean up your computer entirely and reinstall the operative system. I like to think like this. When I sin, as long as I am there, as long as I am in control of my heart and my mind, I will have the virus. I'm going to have the malware. The operative system is already messed up. I need a reinstall of everything. And the only way that that can happen is when Jesus takes over. Because he is promised that he has the power and the ability to restart everything, to clean everything up again. And then he will take control of my heart and my mind. But that only happens when my sin has been confessed. When I said, God, I have a virus. I'm tired of dealing with this. I cannot go any longer. Please, restart my system. First John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to, what? Cleanse us. Cleanse us, Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Parenthesis, new RP version. Rogelio Pacchini, that's my name, to cleanse us from all our viruses because he has the power. God is the only one who can restore our passion. The next uh, passion thief is unresolved conflict. Unresolved conflict. Conflict just drains the passion right out of us. Job 5.2 says, for wrath kills a foolish man and envy slays a simple one. Either you have conflict because you're, you, 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 you like to fight, you have an angry spirit, or because you envy other people. That's the two, those are the two sources of conflict. Anger issues and envy. You experienced it. You get up in the morning you had a great night of sleep one of those days that you went to bed early you get up you have your breakfast of champions your witties you go to work and as soon as you get to work somebody says a bad comment about you the whole day is ruined oftentimes it doesn't happen at work you get up in the morning. It's a Sabbath morning. You, you get your tapes out of the King, you know, and you play the King's Heralds. For well, Heritage Singers, you get the CD. they a little more contemporary. But you put your music and you're singing along and you're, and right before you leave the house, you have an argument with your spouse. And there goes the happy Sabbath. And even when you get to church, you see someone, you smile, you say happy Sabbath, but is it really? Because conflict, conflict drains the joy, the passion out of life. Job 14.4 says, you who tear yourself in anger, shall the earth be forsaken for you or shall the rock be removed from its place? Now, let me translate that to you. If you're always in company, if you're always angry, are you changing anything? Getting angry changes anything? No, it's, they say that it's double work. You get angry and then you have to fix it. First John 4.21 says, and his commandment says that we have from him that he who loves God must love His brother also. And and some are thinking, I'm not leaving him off the hook. Ignore what she did? Are you kidding me? Remember, we are made for relationships. Relationship with God and relationship with one another. When one of those two are affected, we don't have passion in life. Forgiveness, I think, is like a healthy diet. I don't know how you grew up. I don't know what, what, what background you come from. But see, I grew up in a home where Mexican food was a daily thing. And it was a, a, a three course meal. We have a, the, a soup kind of thing. And then we have the main dish. And then at the end, a plate of beans. You were thinking dessert, huh? <laughs> no, no. And, and see, what happens is that when, when you used to eat like that, you, you know that there's three things coming. But everything in the main dish, and this is what happens in Mexican food. Uh, I'm sorry if uh, your lunch is Mexican food, but this is what happens with Mexican food. There's always going to be one or three things. Carbs, creams, and, and spices. All three are detrimental to our health. Good thing that Megan said about fasting, for the kid's story. But but see, that happens. So see, when I learn that my Eating habits had to change. I struggled because that was what I was used to eating. When I went to school, to seminary, the diet at the school was completely vegetarian. I didn't tell you about meat, but oh my goodness, I married an Argentinian. And if you know, that's like the national dish, meat. Meat. But nowadays, my wife is falling, and I'm saying it because she's not here. She'll hear the podcast later. Um, She's going into this uh, vegan thing. So now everything, she says, Oh, I made this vegan. I made this other thing vegan. And I say, You know, it's funny, just say, I made this. You don't have to say that it's vegan. Because when you say he's vegan, I don't want to eat it anymore. You know, just say, yeah, I made this thing. But see, it takes a while for your palate. For your, it takes a while for your taste buds to be activated to, to, to other flavors and other textures and other things. But, but, you know, in the long run, in the long run, it's going to be way better for you. See, forgiveness, forgiveness is not really for the other person. It's not for the one that, that made you wrong. It's for you. At first, it's very difficult. At first, it's very hard. But in the long run, it's going to be the best thing for you. Because you're not going to be sour anymore. You're not going to be angry or resentful. What you're going to have is the experience of a full, passionate relationship with God and with others. It's hard at first. But once we experience it is way better way better and the last of the passion thieves family it's an undernourished spirit talking about diet undernourished spirit every day there are situations that conspire they conspire to ruin us to change us to shrink our spirit to shrivel our heart however the effect it's not terminal but it will linger as long as we allow them to affect us there are circumstances and and, and and habits that we need to change because the, the reality is that in, in, in the spiritual arena in the spiritual part of our lives no one else can do it but ourselves So we must take the time and the effort to avoid the passion thieves. Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider one another in, in order to stir up love and good works. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. In our days we call it going to church. As if the manner of Some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. As you what? See the day approaching. I don't know about you, but in the last few weeks, I've gotten so many texts, so many emails, so many posts on Facebook, so many shares about the end times. I don't know why. Maybe hurricanes, earthquakes, social disturbances. We, we can't fake it anymore. We know that Jesus is coming back, and we know it's getting soon. We know that. And we don't even have to talk about prophecy anymore. It's right there. It's evident. Even those who are not Christian, those who don't believe in God, know that something is going on. Because the time is near, period. Period. So for us who know already what's going on, it's necessary that we truly invest the time and effort to feed our spirit the proper way. And just like dieting, it takes discipline. It takes discipline. See, at the end of the day, and you heard this, the only thing we take to heaven is what? Our character, but see, it's not our character with all the guilt and all the remorse and all the anger and unforgiving. It's not that character that we take into heaven. The character that we take into heaven is a character like Jesus Christ. Now that changes the whole story, doesn't it? But see, this is what happens. We are not the way we are today by accident. We didn't wake up and, oh, this is who I am now. No, it didn't happen like that. It did not happen overnight. It's been a process. It's been a process that it's taken a lifetime. If you're 20 years of age, it's taken 20 years. If you're 50, it's taken 50. If you're 80, it's taken 80. Who you are is the length of your life. Because all circumstances, events, choices, and habits form who you are. Now, a habit is your daily things. The things that you do, the time you get up, the time you go to bed, how you eat, how you drive, all those habits, how you dress, if you brush your teeth or you don't. Habits, habits. But this is the thing. Your character, it's the sum of all those habits. When you put all those habits together, they form your character. So that means that for my character to become Jesus' character, my habits need to start changing. Again, you cannot change them all at once. It's impossible. You You didn't get there one day. It took a lifetime. But you can start going in the direction of Jesus today. This series, Let God, is designed to help us get there. It's a sign for us today to begin to let God change our life and get us ready for His coming. Now, the first thing that we're going to use, the first instrument that is going to help us, when we leave, there's going to be a card just like this one. You you know I like cards, don't you? This kind of cards. Don't get crazy. I don't even like credit cards. This card. On the back, you will find that there is a memory text for the week. Uh, memory text. Yeah, let me tell you why. Nothing can change a person but the Word of God. It's a sword with two edges. Co- cuts all the way to the bone. If there's something you need to cut out of your life, guess what is going to do it? Your experience with the Word of God. Nothing else. So as we memorize Every week of during these next eight weeks that this series will last, Um, this memory text is brand new when every week our habits will begin to change. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in front of your steering wheel. But just don't look at it while you're driving. But when you start the car, you know, put it, whatever you got the most, put it right there. If it's inside the refrigerator, that's okay. Put it right there. If it's in the mirror, put it right there. Wherever you spend the most time, put it there. Read it once, at least once a day. Change your habit of reading. First instrument. Second is the life groups. If you're not in a life group, join one. We have groups for families. We have groups for youth. We have groups for for retired people during the day. We have groups for men. Don't miss it. Take advantage of it. Let God be part of your life. You know, it's so easy to come to church and leave and nobody, you know, we're like secret agents. You know? No, no, let's be part of the army of God. Let's be visible. Just take a branch. Be part of it. And also, if you didn't get what the pastor preached, because he's weird and he, you know, he says weird things. And you need to listen again. We have the podcast. We have the video. No excuse. No excuse to miss it. You can be part of it. Take the notes. They're easy to hand to to handle now. Take the notes. Keep them with you. Put it in your Bible. Put it as bookmark in any book that you're reading have them there review because you know what we want to change our habits we want to become like christ and there's three things that happened in the life of christ he knew the scriptures you know it when he faced temptation he quoted the scriptures when he went to the synagogue to read he knew what the scriptures were about in fact, he said today this scripture is fulfilled before your eyes because he knew the scriptures. Second, prayer. Prayer. If there's a time that we need to pray more than ever, is today. Pray for each other. Pray for the church. Pray for those who are going to be part of the church. Pray for our school. Pray for anyone that you know needs prayer. And today I know there's a lot of people who need prayer. And third, like Paul said in Hebrews, Don't miss to congregate with each other. So family, it is time that we let God. And right now we're going to do something that would help us to allow God to be part of our lives. Let me explain to you something. When we celebrate communion, there's some misconceptions out there. Because we read texts out of context that say that if you're not ready to have communion, you should not partake of it. But the reality is this. Are you a sinner? Then you need Jesus. Then you need communion. So if you understand that Jesus is the only way to forgive your sins, you're ready to take communion. As an Adventist, we believe in open communion. We believe that anybody who acknowledges that Jesus is the only way to forgiveness can be part of it, even if it's not a member of the Adventist church. So you see, I think all of us are sinners, and I think all of us qualify. So what we are going to do right now is that we're going to exit these doors where uh, lovely and helpful deacons will hand us the cards that we need to take to memorize the text. And in the back of our church, there's different rooms. And these rooms are allocated for, for singles and couples to take uh, and be part of the, of the ordinance of humility in a more vernacular in the washing of feet. So we do that because that's what Jesus did on the Last Supper. He washed the disciples' feet. So when we, when we are completed with that process, we'll come back here, and then we'll take part of the emblems. And uh, the focus today for this communion is to let God, let God, to take control of our lives we want to have that vertical connection so that we can be useful in the horizontal connection i'm gonna do a quick prayer we're gonna go out there don't forget to take your cards and then we'll be back when we're done from the ordinance of humility our gracious lord we are thank- so thankful that you are our god And Father, there's been so many times that without knowing and even willingly, we allow these passion thieves to ruin our lives and our relationship with you and with others. So Father, today we do not want to leave this place without restoring our relationship with you. And through communion, Lord, we want to do that. We want not only to confess our sins, but we want you to, to begin to control our lives. And Father, to let you be the Lord of our lives. And as we celebrate this event, this is a special gathering, Father, we ask that you begin to remove all those things that have impeded us. To have an honest relationship with you and to let us recover the passion that you so freely want to give us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.